You're listening to Music Mythology. My name is Sam Romo, and let's talk about some music. No, I, I agree. Yeah, it's a great song. The only other song I would say that um, really competes with it um, for me is um, Dear Prudence or like Happiness is a Warm Gun. Because And that one's up next, actually. Um, we can just move to that one now. I sure. Um, but I, I think Mac- like McCartney and George were quoted saying it's one of their all-time favorite songs because it's just weird. It's just like <laughs> the, the lyrics are like all over the place. Um talking about mirrors on boots and soap creations and all sorts of it's just weird it's just john making up stuff but the actual music of it is what they were saying was like it's one of their all-time favorites because of the it's got like three two or three changes well it's got two changes so it's got like three parts to it that are totally different right and um it gets heavy but then it gets like what kind of old schoolish a little bit at the end especially his singing style changes from right. like a heavier the oh, i'm going down and then at the very end he's he's just a little more um raspy a little more kind of like janice joplin right stuff um which is very interesting it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very unique song because it's like three songs in one it is and uh, you know i um if <laughs> if the wikipedia page is to be believed um always yeah <laughs> it's a this is a hard-hitting journalistic show uh <laughs> citing wiki but um no, you know, so Wikipedia will tell you that the lyrics were overtly sexual um, and that it, that it was it was a song about the physical love between him and uh, Yoko, which is gross. And I, I, I thought it was like he he saw news. He had like news stories. Yeah. Like the, it, at least the nonsense parts, like the, the man with the mirrors on his hotmail boots. Right. It was like a real story in the in the news. I, I And I think that's. I think it is, but I think the, the chorus and the, you know, I feel my finger on your trigger and that kind of mm. stuff. Um, yeah, you know, and I, again, I mean, that's <laughs> whoever wrote that wiki article. Cause I, I don't remember, I and mean, I've read and watched an awful lot about the Beatles. I just don't remember anything specific to this song other than the NRA headline. Yeah. Well, and the fact that in mother superior is a reference to Yoko, cause that's what he would call her. Right. Yeah. And um, anything, that's the only thing that kind of ties that in to yeah. possible subtle sexual whatever. But it is um, it, it is interesting. I've also heard that some people were um, have said it was a drug song, but that's probably just from the I need the a feel. fix. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they had that heavy downer yeah. feeling. Right. Or vibe, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, it's a very interesting song because it's got that heavy part within. It's got that just good solid rock. It's interesting. I agree. Yeah. And then uh, Martha, my dear, about the uh, his uh, favorite dog. Yeah. One of my favorites. Uh, my wife's name is Martha. And the one bit of Beatles trivia she can have for you is uh, that she knew that this was written about the dog. So nice. it's an old English sheepdog. Yeah. Um, I've, I uh, went on a little wiki tangent about those dogs and learned nothing worth repeating. So. <laughs> 
but uh, what I did find interesting, well, I mean, it's like, well, they have an amazing record at the Westminster Kennel Club. I don't care. Um, I thought you were going to whip something out. No, I, nor I, I mean, it, they have an apt ability to be paired with musicians like, time and time again. We don't know why this happens, yeah. but they're, they're only with musicians. They can be trained to play scales on the piano. Yeah. Um, Pro drummers. No, you, I mean, you can ask Brad. Normally I have some worthwhile tidbit on almost anything. And I've read, I've read that entire sheepdog wiki and came away like that was, that's, that's eight minutes. I'm never going to get back. A waste of time. Um, you're thorough. Yeah. But uh, I, one thing that is interesting about this song, I think, is that all of the non-orchestral parts of the song were Paul. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, someone else obviously played the violins. and the, I think he directed the orchestra. And he, yeah, he did. He, he arranged it. Because there's um, pictures, I think, of him and his dog. Yeah. With the, yeah holding the a conductor's baton yeah. and stuff. Um, but that's but, a, that's also, the I think, kind of the beginnings of his experience with that. I agree. Too, yeah. of, of, of engineering that and compo really composing stuff. Because, sure. I mean, in the 90s and I know in the early 2000s, he made full-on operas and stuff like that with people. He did. And, and he scored a movie in the late in like 69 or 70 yeah. I think he's, actually, he's done a video game scores right. too but he had to learn how to actually read music to do that mm, and yeah. it, I, it was during this time I think that he was actually learning how to read yeah I mean because you well, know and it was um, like I mentioned so with Ram when he released Ram I think the year later he released um, an orchestra version of it right but it was underneath a total other name and that didn't, didn't mention his name or Ram anywhere and it was underneath Percival Thrillington and it was just yeah. called Thrillington and the whole album is Ram but it's an orchestra version no lyrics just orchestra only and and uh, to me that, that like that because he already had the songs he already had right. it fleshed out but that must have been like a really interesting thing to where it's like George Martin isn't here you know, there's not, you know, no one else is here. It's like you, you've, you've figured out the songs, but now we're going to work with you to translate it into this different composition. Right. And I'm sure that gave him a leg up again of understanding like, Oh, that's how y'all work. Because if you go back to like Sergeant Pepper, when they put in the, um, the orchestra for like day in the life, they literally were just told him like, just, uh, play <laughs> something and just go up the scale. Just go crazy. Yeah. Go like, start, start at the lowest note and go to the highest. Yeah. One. Like you want us to do what? Like <laughs> yeah. what? You know, but, um, but yeah, it, it, but yeah, it continues to progress, but that's, um, that's a beautiful song. I love that song. I do. And it, it, you know, some, some people, um, apparently did not really care for it cause it was another just kind of like saccharine sweet song that he wrote mm -hmm. that granny music, right? Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the stupid granny shit, like John Lennon said. And, uh, but, but like, I, I mean, I like it's it a lot. So good. So I the, do too. The, the, um, the piano. Like oh yeah, the piano is so like high energy, and the um, oh that that was a uh, um, uh, is it Nicky Hopkins? That was another artist I was going to mention. Is it one of the only other artists that's on this album that normally isn't on a Beatles album? Right, is a keyboardist who's played on tons of stuff, but he plays the keyboards for Revolution. Right, um, but the I don't he doesn't play the piano on Martha My Dear. I think that's Paul. Um, but like that's beautiful, and then the uh, the orchestra, the strings, and everything behind it, it's very. Um, it's almost like Chicago, you know, that, like <laughs> that, that, that good, um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, like making a horn section work in a rock song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Full band sound. Quick side note. Our printer at work, um, has the same little beat as the, uh, like ding, 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 ding. 
Didn't oh, yeah. Anything. 25 or 6 to 4. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should sample that. Yeah. Beat, a, beat around it. There's a classic, uh, like, college basketball pep band song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's a great song. I went to a million. I went to every basketball game I could at A&M. And every time, every the first time out of each half was. To Cora. But, yeah. And then I'm so tired. Yeah. Which next one? Beside being uh, accurate for me at this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it was. um, So uh, my favorite little tidbit about this song is that this is the Paul is dead song. This is this is the song. Oh, the end, the very yeah, end. Yeah, he, you know, because he just kind of mumbles at the end. John yeah. does, and the rumor was that if you played the song backwards, the mumbling would say Paul is dead. Miss him, miss him, miss him, or something like that. Yeah, and then and then of course you know the license plate on the Beetle, uh, the Volkswagen Beetle on the front of Abbey Road is yeah. like has some stupid crap. And then uh, Ringo and Don't Pass Me By, and you were in a car crash and yeah. lost all your hair. Because Paul was in a car crash like years before. And, like, yeah. That's when he died. <sighs> this is Paul. <laughs> I got to say, you know, he's pushing 80. He looks great for a dead guy. Oh, yeah. Well, he always got those out there. If it's true, uh, the fake Paul has been more successful than the original Paul. Technically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's looking better than real dead John is. Still, yeah. <laughs> very, very, very dead. But um, I don't have it. I mean, we we touched on I'm So Tired. Um, and I added most of what I know. Um, really, the only other thing I would want to talk about for that track is the um, the progression of it. I love, like, the the first like half and and john's just kind of you know it seems almost like he's in a daze he's hazy and he's talking i mean you you get off that feeling of being tired and then um um talking about how he's going to deal with it and then the second time when he does it again in the same kind of timing same kind of feeling but then benini starts yelling at the end you know i just i just i just love it because it's like such a good build up, such a good way to minimally build up in a song and a song that's not even like super intense, you yeah. know, it's just him just like kind of talking in a slow pace and then he is already yelling, you know, and then it reinforced, I mean, I mean, I'm sure y'all have had to deal with some stupid crap when you're tired and you yell at someone that you don't mean to. Mm. Well, you have every intention of yelling at them in the moment, but you know, <laughs> that's yeah. what I like to think. I'd like to, I, I'd yeah, like, like to you, think, you guys are married. Haven't you guys done this before? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but, uh, no, but I mean, in all seriousness, that's uh, you know what it's like to be just your beat, and someone's like, "Hey, what's for dinner?" And you're like, "Figure it out for yourself." <laughs> you know, you one again, fiery personality, and he wrote this when he was on a sober streak in the in the retreat. So I'm sure he had his frustrations, a little like, agitated, yeah. right out. Yeah, for sure. But that's how, a great. Song. How long did that I retreat last? The, the uh, retreat, if you recall, six that. weeks. Yeah, I don't remember. I well, because Ringo left after two weeks because. Because he has um, uh, some sort of digest, like a like a genetic digestive problem. He's been a vegetarian for so long. I don't think he actually cares. Well, I'm sure he cares about animals, but I don't think he's like Paul, where he's doing mm. it as some sort of animal rights thing. I think mm. it's like, oh yeah, if I eat meat, I'm on the toilet for seven days. Right. Um, yeah. So Ringo left first, and then Paul left a couple weeks after that. Um, George and John almost made it the whole time. John left um, 
and you know this is foreshadowing to sexy Sadie but John left because he had heard rumors that the Maharishi was being inappropriate with some other guests and was like no this guy's preaching peace and then doing that and so he left George I believe stuck it out um, well he left primarily when he heard that Maharishi had made some like advance right on, yeah on females in the camp right it was just like a weird thing Cults. Yeah, classic. It's all cult. Classic always, cult. Yeah, it's yeah. All, it always ends when the guy starts molesting people. Yeah. When John Lennon, I mean, he'll hit a woman, but uh-huh. only if they're overage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he hit his first that wife. The, you heard. It, you didn't hear it here first, but yeah. you did hear it. Breaking news. Yeah. Breaking breaking news. John Lennon was a dick. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> first person to hold that opinion. All right. Then Blackbird. Um, um, yeah, I, I, um, so I, this is kind of an interesting song cause I mean, the song's great. Love the song, classic song, but I've always found it interesting that you got two different sides to it. You got the part where there's recounts of like Paul saw blackbirds in the retreat and mm-hmm. just wrote about it as a kind of just a little ditty. Just want to write a song and then the other civil rights part of it. And like, apparently that like, he didn't talk about that till like in the seventies yeah. or something like that. He, uh, it's, it's suspicious. I yeah. think, um, because yeah, if you look at the, the, um, the promotional materials that accompany the original release of the album, okay. now granted that's promotional stuff. And you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Paul is not an overtly political guy, but you're also, you're talking about the guy that the first time someone asked him about LSD, he's like, Oh yeah, I did it. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. It's like you know, just well, like, and, and you know, he eventually wrote give Ireland back to the Irish and all that. So eventually I think he got a, a oh, lot better yeah. about standing out on that ledge, but for sure. And I'm not saying he was totally like, yeah, no, I, I, right. but I, I just, I don't know. But to it, me, it's always seems weird that there's kind of a gap, you know, and it just seems like he's, I don't know, maybe he's capitalizing on like that, that concept. Rather I, I don't know. But, well, cause you know, he started in, I mean, not long after the album was released, but not immediately, you know, he started saying, Oh yeah, it's, you know, it's a reflection of the plight of African Americans and the civil rights movement, in the American South. And then in like 2006, um, he was like, Oh yeah, it's, a, it's specifically, it's about black women in the, in the South dealing with the political upheaval. Yeah. Well, I mean, I even it's, saw him in concert last was it last year? Year before last, I think. And he brought up where the concept came from, and he explains that in England we refer to women, as, you know, we would call as the gir- girls as birds. Birds. And so, fit, and so it would be, you know, she's a young black bird. You know, is what I was yeah. talking about. And I'm like, hmm, hmm. that's interesting because because I, I if I think at the, him literally him saying it at the concert is the first time I had heard of that. I just never. Because I think I, I had read that that was the recount that he had seen them in the camp or the whatever the retreat and just right. wrote about it. But I don't know. Who knows? Speculation. Yeah. But it's a great song. Beautiful. It is. Song. It's a beautiful song. I'll, I'll be honest. I could do without the bird sound effects. Mm. I, I think I, they should just be a little la- uh, lighter. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I think they, the the. Um, like they're, the, the, they're a little aggressive. Yeah, especially the, the, the break. Whichever one breaks up right till the very end, little play out. That one's just like... Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, and it's... It, Should have had a different set of birds in the studio. I, I don't know. It reminds me of the teacher on Charlie Brown a little bit. You know, wah, 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 wah. I mean, that, it, obviously, they don't sound anything like that, but it's yeah. like a little distracting and a, yeah. little, a little assertive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know... <laughs> 
what do I know, right? Yeah, Dude, yeah. Sucks, sucks. Paul McCartney doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he hears this, I hope he realizes that yeah, I'm can right. We, can we get someone call, call <laughs> ring, ring him, phone him real quick? Yeah, let's, let's get him um, online. All right, next up, we got piggies. And all, I have a real soft spot for this song, and it's not just because I tend to have very negative views of politicians, um, but I, I love the idea of this kind of Orwellian animal farm uh, yeah you know, political yeah. fat cats was or, animal farm out uh, yeah yeah because yeah, yeah, sure. animal farm was published in the 50, late 40s 40, early 50s okay, I think. Yeah, yeah okay yeah, um yeah that's curious i wonder if that has any i i, relation. I mean i would think it almost has to have some I mean, kind of time i would think so yeah. but but i love it but you know this has another strong manson family yeah because uh, mm-hmm. uh, the pigs yeah what they need is a damn good whacking which the only really thing i know about this song is he didn't come up with that line you know, right his mother yeah. george harrison's mom gave him that to add to the song his yeah. mom and, and you know and george had a past because if you listen to tax man i mean he he mentions two guys by name um in tax man two politicians the minister the prime minister and the minister of the home minister home secretary whatever mm-hmm. they call mm-hmm. i'm not well versed um, prime minister well it's the prime minister and then there was like a, a ca- what we would call a cabinet member yeah. um and, and because the the top now it's a progressive tax rate just like it is here but the top tax bracket in england when tax uh, tax man came out was 95 percent. oh wow so for every pound that you made over you know one hundred and fifty thousand pounds a year or whatever you only saw a nickel of that or five pence sorry um <laughs> and and you know that's why he says uh-oh mr wilson uh-oh mr heath and tax yeah. man and then you know we're back at piggies and it's it's this kind of commentary where why are politicians held to a separate standard um you know they're they're out there making the rules and not abiding by them and and, yeah. and you know or like what he says in the in the lyrics um wearing starch white shirts and then always having like another one to put on or something like that yeah and like they get in the mud but then i have another shirt i can slip right in yeah and luckily politics is perfect now and that analogy is completely dead but um, <laughs> yes. I was, well i was waiting now, for the segue now, to, now that social media has solved everything yeah i mean now now we don't have <laughs> all of our problems are over all politicians no are really just men and women of the people and there's no, no dilemma everybody's transparent and honest and, it is yeah. i can't imagine now someone that we doing have all the knowledge in the doors. world in our hands <laughs> of course um but but yeah the Charles Manson took that what they needs a damn good whacking that lyric and and he thought that that was going to be he thought that that was another call to political based violence yeah. and you know this upheaval of the system uh, whatever hmm. the system is to Charles Man again you know you don't want to if you start thinking about why he did stuff you'll go crazy because it it's down, a fool's errand yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like um, yeah I mean there's just you know whatever and obviously I I I would be willing to doubt that George his mother did not intend on Charles Manson taking no, that line seriously. No, no consultations there for I mean, sure. And I mean, I you know, but I don't know. I don't know what I Mrs. Harrison's yeah. leanings were. Yeah, uh, <laughs> probably still mad at Oliver Cromwell for something. But um, Jamie, look up who's Oliver Cromwell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he died in like 1680, so I doubt it was him. Um, Charles Manson's dead too, right? Uh, uh, recently, think, though, right? Yeah, I think. So. I don't know. Who cares if he is yeah. good riddance? Um, 
I don't wish death on people, but I will absolutely celebrate the death of bad people. He died, um, in, he died in 2017. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's what I thought recently. Not All right. soon enough. Uh, <laughs> All right. So next up, we got Rocky. Rocky, Rocky Raccoon. Raccoon. Another song that I have a very, uh, just a real soft spot for. It's a great song. It's great so much fun to sing to. Yeah. Good little, um, if you want to call it like some kind of like Southern American fable. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's a direct parody of kind of the country and folk seeing that the country folk rock stuff that was happening with like a western topic with a western topic talking about the black mine and hills of dakota yeah and, and i'm gonna shoot them and, and it's got the cool get that boy it's got that cool kind of strumming pattern on that 12 string guitar he plays that's that's a little bit reminiscent of like yesterday a little bit yeah um and again i'm not a virtuoso so i can't be like oh yeah he's using the flop and gird technique <laughs> um but I, I, did you see that movie ben the yesterday movie no, I didn't see yesterday. Yeah, you. I remember you yeah, said you like you had a problem it's, with. It's all right. I, I, I just feel like the story kind of gets wonky towards the end. The, yeah, if you haven't seen it, you haven't seen it. I have not seen it. You yet. need to watch it just for the very end. The very end. If you're a big Beatles fan, it's okay. worthwhile just for the very end. Well, I, I um, have a, I have a real trouble with. Uh, I mean, like across, I watched the you know across, across the universe the exactly once. I mm. liked it. Never want to watch it again. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, same was, with this one. Okay, honestly, that's good. Um, but with Rocky Raccoon. Um, I mean, it's a classic. Again, when I was uh, listening to this as a 12-year-old, whatever, the, those two songs that you've particularly pointed out too, uh, Bungalow Bill and Rocky Raccoon, those two story songs were so, like, it was just phenomenal to me. Like, when I was, my young ear was just like, oh, this is great. It's like, I can see it. I can see this guy. He got shot and this drunk doctor coming in. And like, you know, and, but, um, but I just, I, I, the only thing I would add about Rocky Raccoon is I like how um, minimal it is. Because like you're saying, it's got the 12 string just strumming. And the only other thing that they add is when he shoots the gun, you just have a snare just come in and pop. And that to represent the fire in that really great kind of tinny honky tonk piano. And that's, that was George Martin playing that. No. Um, and I don't know why, why that's in there. It's well, in, I don't know why they had George Martin do it. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I know they made those kind. I mean, it could have, I mean, it could have been something as simple as scheduling, of course. I mean, sure. I, you know, you never know, but that, um, that just seems like something Paul would have done on his own, mm -hmm. but, yeah. but it is George Martin. That is also, so, um, I read was the last Beatles song. Uh, I'm sorry, the last song that John Lennon ever recorded in which he played the harmonica. Oh, go figure, right? Hmm. I mean, for the Beatles, you mean? No, I, I, the thing I said said ever. Now that's some random internet thing. But he so. plays it in O Yoko on Imagine. Is is that him? That, I think that's playing so. It? I thought okay. so. Yeah. I mean, if it's not, it's fucking. It's not a very hard part. <laughs> no, I mean, well, no, I'm just saying because it's literally just like the outro is just like a blah, 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 blah. like it's just kind of like a yeah. real fast like so it just crazy climb harmonica and C and just so, yeah. Up and down on so it. I don't know. Maybe it was. Specter. <laughs> Maybe Specter at the end of the day is, is missing something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let me go home and kill someone. I'll think I'll be threatening someone with my gun. Really fast. Yeah, we talked a lot about a, a lot of murders this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's keep it moving. <laughs> right, don't pass, don't pass me by. Away. This is uh, Ringo's first fully written song, right? It's, first solo composition from and, Ringo, and it like took him like it was like a four year yeah. or something. Like literally, it's like something he would like he was working on. The so workshop. he wrote. 
he wrote lyrics, music, everything. Um, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. So. He yeah. wrote the this music and full, lyrics. This is fully him. Right. It's a pretty good song. It yeah, is. It's, it's, I, I think it's one of the more kind of. Um, lasting kind of standard rock and roll songs on the album. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, it's almost like that. It, it, to me, this is the beginning. Cause you know, he had like a really, I forget what it's called. It starts with a B, but he had a really successful country album. Um, Ringo did. And I think it was in like 72. I think it was his second solo album. Okay. And I feel like this is kind of like the beginning of that, that kind of subtle country rock feel i i think so and you know this song was covered by the georgia satellites who uh also sing a song called keep your hands to yourself that was a minor radio hit well i don't want to sing it but we can listen to it later but uh the georgia satellites uh were it's hard to imagine but they were from georgia and um you know they had this real twangy that that song you know i got a little change in my pocket going jingle and it's kind of that and mm. if you can picture someone with that like sorry georgians that real hick georgia you know it's not atlanta it's not savannah it's in the heart of like hey we're growing sweet onions in the back 40 um it's that kind of accent and it, you can picture that yeah in macon georgia and you can picture yeah. them singing this yeah. song even Darling, if you've never heard it I love Right, exactly. I mean, it, it lends itself to country. And, you know, and Ringo had already covered um, that Buck Owen song, Act Naturally, oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. the Beatles. Right, and right. so, you know, he was he was already kind of, I guess... Uh, Maybe that's his taste, because I don't know it much is. about his... Well, and, his and he doesn't have a fantastic vocal range. Oh, well, for uh, sure, but... And, and but country is a little bit narrower in that regard. Well, you're right, but like all the other Beatles, I know like where their influences come from. I don't, really don't know much of Ringo, so maybe his is more of a country... I Well, and I do know he was a big fan of kind of uh, depression American blues, so Big Bill Brunsey, mm. um, the... Uh, like Blind Lemon Jefferson, kind of that era of American blues, which mm. he, I mean, and you know, the blues, that era of blues is kind of the mother of the Nashville sound. Right. And so, I mean, it, to me, it tracks. Um, yeah. No, I really like it. When I, when I first listened to it, it was kind of like, well, but it's one of those ones that when I listened to it again and I knew what to expect, like lyrically, I guess. And then I could kind of was trying to expect certain parts because I liked the way it was going. It just, it just grew on me. I guess is what I'm really saying is because every time I'd listen to it, I'm like, yeah, and then this part's coming up next. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. I like it. All right, Ringo. I get but, it. Uh, John, John and George were not part of the recording of this song, which is interesting to hmm. me. Um, Ringo played the standard piano and the drums. John played... Uh, I mean, sorry, Paul played everything else except, I believe, George Martin played the... Um, uh, I think they call it a tack piano and it's where it's, it's basically where you put a little piece of metal on the mallets. And so when it strikes the string, it gives kind of a tinny um. sound to it. Uh, but yeah, I, and I did not know that before today. That is one mm. of the very few things that I learned for the very first time today is that John and George were not part of the huh. recording of that song. Interesting. Well, and then the next one, uh, why don't we do it in a road? And that one's just Ringo and Paul, right? Yeah. That's another one that John and George weren't there for. Yeah. 
Yeah, that John did not like. <laughs> yeah, and I, and you know, I I like the song. I get I get where John's coming from. Though. Oh yeah, well it's just it's just it, it's in the same vein as Wild Honey Pie. It's like okay, it's different, it's weird, but why? Yeah, and it, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it's it's a twelve bar blues, and it's not even a clever one. I mean, it's an E A B progression, which is a pretty yeah. standard blues progression. But but what, the only thing that keeps it unique for me is like the the how it's tiered i have like the clapping you know like all right what is this thing and like that boom, but that, 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 and then and then yeah and then it's, it's paul's solid voice and at the end you know he gets high pitched and low but gets shows his vocal range off a little right. bit but that's basically it you just got that's it it's just a bass rift over a drum you know and then i'm pretty sure what i read before is that he got inspiration when on the retreat when he saw two monkeys just going at it in the middle of the road yep <laughs> and uh pretty simple there is uh, nothing more fundamentally human than watching a couple of primates, primates. get it on in the road <laughs> i always thought it'd be funny if he, he uh if they did like a, a spoof on it after let it be and said, why don't we do it on the roof? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. Yeah, that's that's an opportunity. Paul, miss. Yeah. <laughs> Reach out to my people. Yeah. Do it on the next concert. Yeah. Paul, I can assure you that, um, if you do that, I won't be there so that, um, <laughs> yeah, or I will be, if you want to yell at me about jokes about your one legged second wife. <laughs> uh, well, I remember it, it, I laughed really hard because I think he pointed it out that someone at the concert we saw him at because uh, he played at the Rangers ballpark right um, someone in the crowd like at the front they had a, 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 a cardboard sign or something and that's all it said it on is why don't we do it on the road and it's like ah, I don't see that often you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah that's a random one and then you go to the complete opposite of like I will which is like this beautiful little love ballad like this is my wedding song that's what we walk oh, down really? the aisle to Awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's a beautiful song. And and I, I and even that, you know, like I just feel like again, it's just like I feel like he's in that just like you know, George was channeling some intense feelings into all things must pass because he, you know, during that period they broke up, he was losing money, he, he got divorced, his mom dies, like all these heavy things. But then with Paul, it's almost like there's heavy stuff still, but for the most part, in his perspective, it's like things are going groovy. Oh, yeah. You know, and he's with this 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 girl that's just like phenomenal. Um, I'm running our own label, you know, it's like we're running and gunning and it's going great. And I would will just like it just feels like um it's like a songbird you know you're just literally just like it's you're naturally just exuding the what you feel because all you can do is is exude these like great feelings and like i will just say and martha my dear both of those are in that same kind of right. wheelhouse of like i'm so fucking happy <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you know with i will the the little the one little bit of trivia i have on this song that i like so much is um so apparently the they finished recording it and paul thought that the bass sounded flat and mm. so then he hummed a bass line mm. to mimic the actual bass mm -hmm. line. And so it adds just that second layer of a rhythm track mm. underneath it. And so, uh, but it is funny because if you look, I, I don't know, I'm looking at uh, Sam's copy of the white album. I don't know if yours has it, but on, on mine, the, the 1980 reissue, it actually credits Paul as the vocal bassist. It says he played oh, the vocal, vocal bass, bass on, I will, which is, uh, which is kind of, yeah, it's a little funny. Huh. 
Huh. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I do love that song. It's a great song. Yeah. That's a beautiful one. And then Julia, like what you said before, it's like the most like vulnerable kind of thing. It's literally just him and his guitar. Yeah. And, and, and I think, uh, not a controversial take here, but I, I think that the three, uh, kind of most vulnerable songs that John wrote during his tenure with the Beatles are Julia in my life and help. Um, and yeah, I mean, help is an actual cry for help. Like, I mean, you listen to the lyrics, you're like, man, this song is kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. I would add one to that list though. I would add, um, um, Oh, and don't, I mean, don't let me down. I think is in there yeah, a little bit too, but, but to me, one of the most, I don't know, to me, one of the most impactful songs of his, like, like perspective wise into him is, um, um, oh, uh, hide your love. Oh yeah. Yeah. On, on help. Yeah. Because to me, um, the way it's, I mean, he's talking about fame. He's talking oh, yeah. about people not understanding him, um, but laughing at him, but because they're happy, but he's like, it's just such a weird feeling cause he doesn't understand it. Um, I just love that song. Cause I feel like that's very, that that's him coming to terms with fame. Yeah. Gather around all you clowns. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In a genuine way. Um, and then, yeah, but it's kind of funny because you go from like intense Julia and then the da, 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 birthday, <laughs> it's like uh, high, hyper energy. My best friend, Alan Combs, no shout out. Uh, family friend, Alan. My friend, family friend, Alan, his, uh, his house had an intercom system in it, mm. which I thought was very fancy. Yeah. And every year on his birthday, which was September 5th, mm. his dad would blare birthday through the intercom system nice. at like five 30 in the morning. <laughs> and, uh, I stayed awesome. over there a couple of times for birthdays and it was, I mean, it's one way to wake up. I remember yeah. when we were in high school, that was in a car commercial. I'm pretty sure. Birthday. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. It's my family. Like we play it on everybody's birthday. Oh yeah. I mean, me particularly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a great song. Um, yeah, that the only thing I know about that song, like, let me see, like, I, I can't remember the technical thing, but like that, um, man, whatever keyboard they're using, synthesizer, I can't remember what the actual instrument is, but that makes that crazy oh, yeah, the, sound effect. It's like, that was like a new thing. Um, yeah, that, was that like a Moog 2 or something? Something, yeah. I can't remember, but it was like, that was kind of like cutting edge and just really like put you out there. And yeah, the only other thing is, I think you mentioned it, um, Yoko and, and, and uh, Patty Boyd. being the, the Patty in the background. John, uh, this is this is another thing that I, I found in that book that I had read. In an interview with Playboy in 1970, uh, and again, for those of you listening, Playboy's magazine that used to have naked pictures in it. Um, and articles, really good articles that yeah, were underrated. It used to be found in the bathroom of every fraternity house in the United States. Everyone's and, uncle's bathroom. Yeah. And um, But John, in that interview, said that it was inspired by a song from the 1958 called Happy Birthday Baby. Uh, I listened to it on YouTube today. To me, it sounds like any other rock and roll song from the late 50s. Mm. I mean, if someone was like, hey, yeah, Chuck Berry or Conway Twitty or a million other people wrote it, I would probably believe you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe it was just the concept of a birthday focused rock I, I song. I guess maybe that's all it was. Maybe, but, they, maybe uh, they found out the hard truth that the birthday song everybody sings is technically copyrighted. And so like, <laughs> well, let's 
let's <laughs> let's make our own. But this yeah. was it was written and recorded in the same day and was oh. one of the last true 50 50 50 Lennon McCartney mm. composition. Right. Yeah. And it was they each contributed to the music, they each contributed to the mm. lyrics, they were just screwing around in the studio in the well, I would say morning, but I don't think they ever got there before like noon. Um, you know, they were just messing around and then they kind of got it down and they recorded it later that day. And that's the mix that's on the, that was on the album, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good one. A very high energy song. And then you get to some intense stuff. We go over the, your blues. It's a, it's a gnarly bluesy rock song. Your, and it's a song I love. I think it says a lot about the evolution of, uh, uh, the Beatles and John Lennon, specifically as songwriters, there are two things I want to say about this song. Hmm. The first is, of all people, Elliot Smith has a very good cover of this. Oh, um, R.I.P. Yeah, yeah, R.I.P. and peace, Elliot Smith. And uh, John Lennon was part of a. Supergroup is probably not the correct word. Untelevised supergroup. A televised one-off supergroup called The Dirty Mac, yeah. uh, featuring John Lennon, Eric Clapton on lead guitar, mm -hmm. Keith Richards on bass, mm -hmm. and Mitch Mitchell from the Jimi Hendrix Experience on drums. And Yoko on backup. And Yoko is also there. And um, <laughs> if you get on YouTube, you can find... It was actually a documentary that I think was part of a Rolling Stones thing. Well, they were a part... It was, was going to be televised, I think, and then something happened and it was untelevised, but it was a Rolling Stones special right. called the Rolling Stone Rock Circus or right. something like that. Yeah. And uh, the, you can find the clip on, on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, it. It's fantastic. Eric Clapton, good as ever. Mitch Mitchell, one of the truly underappreciated drummers of the era. And uh, Mad Men. Keith Richards when he was only 67 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh that's one of that's that's one of my favorite Lennon songs. Oh, it's a great um, song. It's got great it, tune. I think honestly, it might have my favorite lyric on the entire album. The my father is of the earth, my mother was from the sky, and I am of the universe. And you in uh, what's you, that? Know, the you know the reason why. why? Yeah, I love that line, man. That's such I a do too. that's such a like. Like, you know when he wrote that, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is good. And, it's and, fucking good. And I, I do like for the break in the solo, Ringo switches from just a, a normal four four to a shuffle. Mm, yeah, and, and I, I think that that's a good. Uh, I don't know if that was a stylistic choice of his or if that was direction from John, but I, I think it's a good shuffle. Oh, I just love that banging beginning to just oh, that, yeah. that that clamoring drums because it's just like such a it's not it's not just a a good um maybe not traditional but there's like a good blues um um framework but just like that it's an aggressive blues framework you know what i mean it's not just like muddy waters telling you telling you a story this is like Muddy Waters is pissed. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, it's, it's, it's like aggressive and it's just, it's hard hitting. And it's almost like this one in Helter Skelter and this like category of, of, of like this, like, is this of harshness of gnarly, gnarly rock. But we're going to, we're going to come at it a little bit different, but we're still using foundations that we know. Um, but I just love that song. It's such a hard hitting. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Muddy Waters. Uh, around this time, um, I believe 68, 69, 
uh, Muddy Waters came out with an album called Electric Mud. And it was, it was, I mean, you know, Muddy Waters is kind of a pioneer of electric blues. Um, but it was always kind of that typical, it, it was not as in your face as a lot of blues would turn out to be, you know, in the, in the second or I guess third or fourth generation with Freddie King and Albert King and then eventually Stevie Ray Vaughan where it was real, but electric mud. If you listen to that album, that muddy waters album, it sounds like your blues. Mm. The whole album does. It's, it's very cool. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great album. (laughs) I'm by the way, if you ever happen to find it on vinyl, let me know. I've been searching. I think they only printed like 20 or 30,000 copies Mm. and have have not done any reissues or anything that I know of. Interesting. Um, but, uh, but yeah, great song, electric mud and after the rain, that was the other muddy waters album. That was kind of a continuation of electric mud. Mm. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, you're listening to the Muddy Waters podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, it goes everywhere. Yeah. Hmm. I need to check that out. I've never listened to that album before. They're great. Then uh, from your blues, you have a complete stylistic shift to Mother Nature's Son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, this was another composition out of India, right? It was. And, and uh, this is, I think this is one of the Paul songs that's pretty um, superficial and not in a negative way. I, I just mean there's not much deeper meaning. Mm. Um, well, I thought some of this stemmed from lessons. I, and I think it, I think what it was is there was a lecture that Maharishi was giving about, you know, part of um, like part. A, yeah. Part of the goal of the transcendental meditation, like appreciating practice, nature and right is, is becoming one with nature and yeah. realizing that we're all children of um, mother Gaia or, yeah. Gaia or however they say it. Yeah. Yeah, true. And also, again, um, because this song is also very Ram parallelish. (laughs) So I just feel like this is him. And and maybe that's the difference because I, you know, there's a lot of that perception of like hippy dippy people that are like, I just want to get away from it all and just want to go out to the country. Well, I think literally Paul was like in the cities, in every city, he was the big celebrity and so even to a normal person that like falls in love with the idea of just getting away and i want to go to the country or go to the forest whatever but this dude was like i can't get away from it <laughs> ever ever i'm always stuck in this world but then if i can if i get away to the country you know like 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 with ram i mean or mccartney riding on his his farm and, and house and getting away from it all it's just like i just feel like it starts to feed into that type of thinking of like i don't need to be in the life to um make a living you know i could just i can i can come from different sources i can do different things and that might come from nature you know that might just be experiencing life in a different perspective from the country or whatever i agree yeah that's a great song it is it's a great song it's a simple song that was um another one though just as a quick mention that was it was a complete paul solo Mm. effort no other no other beatles on the track yeah it's nuts how um how much stuff they really like knocked out of their own when they were on that retreat like yeah. pumping that shit out it is and it's especially paul and george uh, you know john of course wrote by himself but i, I mean 
as far as I know, Julia might be the only song he did with the Beatles where he recorded it all by himself. Mm, yeah, I think so. Uh, whereas Paul was, I mean, he was kind of like, well, if Ringo's going to be late, I'll play drums. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's that? George is in the can. Okay, I'll take the solo. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, I know I want to like watch Paul play drums now to see how he, if there's, I doubt there's any footage or he, he, yeah, pl- he plays right handed. I guess I can listen. I believe because uh, okay. um, he, he sits, I can, I'm looking at Sam's kit and it's set up for a right-handed person. Just like you, Mr. Ambidextrous. No, I well, I play drums left-handed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I guess you yeah. write everything else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but Paul does everything left-handed except mm-hmm. apparently play drums. Yeah, I'm ambidextrous. I can support. Like I play pool. Like I'm right-handed, but I play pool left-handed. I, can, I bat left-handed. And like it's weird. Yeah, I bat left-handed also and swing left-handed. I bat left-handed. It doesn't make yeah. much of a difference. Though. Yeah, I'm, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad swinger. It's a 200 hitter left-handed, 190 right-handed. <laughs> but it's good to be a switch switch hitter. You can mess with the pitcher. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Why are we on baseball? Um, <laughs> all right. Next up, everybody's got something to hide except me and my monkey. What a long ten words. Yeah. That's yeah. It's like long. a. It's like a yeah. Too long. <laughs> that's a great song though. It is. Um, it's um, it's almost like uh, I don't know. I'm trying to parallel it to another act, like almost like more like Rolling Stonesy, almost you know, like the cowbell and the and the loud um, um, ride, or no, it's not, maybe it's the top of the ride that they're hearing that real clanky, like ding ding ding. ding. Um, but yeah, just it's, high, it sounds like energy. it's the bell on the ride. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it almost, um, I was trying to think, I, man, I had it, but you're right. It doesn't really sound like a Beatles song. It, it sounds like a different, like, all, I mean, not quite T-Rex because they were more of a seventies band anyway, but it does sound like, well, almost, I mean, cause I, like, I, I know what you mean, but like, like Mark Bowen stuff, yeah. like it was like, it's high energy, weird, like changes and like intense, like guitar right in your face, you know, sometimes, but like with this one, it's, uh, I, I love the lyrics too. Um, this is another one of my favorite lyrics from this album, um, is, uh, when you're inside, uh, wait, why does he say, uh, your outside is in when your inside is out. Right. Um, and there's something, man, there's another line, um, here, I'm going to look it up. Well, he, this song was, uh, in, in that same interview with Playboy in 1970, mm-hmm. uh, John said that this song was about his and Yoko's relationship. And I'm, I'm quoting here. Mm. Everybody seemed to be paranoid except us two, uh, because they were very much in love and they saw it as, mm. you know, everyone was hiding something except for he and Yoko. So I guess Yoko is. Yeah. Well, and you, you're shown that, uh, with two virgins, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we ain't got nothing to hide. Look at this album no. cover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for those that don't know, uh, John and Yoko's first work together was an album called two virgins, which is a very avant-garde soundscape album. And the front cover was literally just them completely nude. Um, yeah, so they, it had to be sold with a brown paper sack yeah, around it because, it. uh, I mean, it with two, only two cut outs of their faces gosh so you yeah to see that that's the one gar- that john's real curled up or is that just a no, picture? no, no that, that was a later one that's yeah, later. That, no i mean they're seriously holding hands they're just and standing standing there straight up and on the back cover it's the, the yeah. back side of them yeah good thing we ate earlier because thinking of yoko naked so <laughs> yeah <laughs> make, you, make you chuck up your food but, but they definitely didn't have anything to hide uh, that they I love did that 
that image though. I just want to be bare. This is oh, us. Yeah. just here well, is what we are. It's like him coming to terms with his stardom in another way. It's like, well, now I can use it for something, I guess. But um, just real quick, one of my favorite parts of the song is the very end as it's starting to unwind and finish up. I love the 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 bound 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 and then they just like keep picking it up. Like I lo- I love right. that the weird funky breakdown and then the the very end um or i guess i guess what i'm talking about is the main song but now what i want to talk about is towards the end when the the paul's part on the bass is the it's just so it's so high energy like i think this song outside of obladio bladab because that's a different kind of energy that's like a happy high energy this song is like I got nothing to hide. I'm just going, you know, I'm just fantastic. And like, and like every part of this, of the song is fantastic. The the drums are fast and funky. The bass is like in your face and you're just like going nuts. Like the guitar is like in your face the whole damn time. You know, it's just like, it's just, it's on fire. It is. It's, it's great. It's great. I mean, well, just uh, well executed. If someone yeah. hasn't told them that they're pretty good musicians, they really should. Someone should really give these guys a high five. Uh, I'm glad we're bringing awareness to the band yeah. through this, by the yeah. way. <laughs> This is uh, the Beatles. This is going to catapult their careers. (laughs) Pretty soon, Paul McCartney will be a household name. (laughs) (laughs) And the next up, we got, uh, we've we've touched on it a few times, but it's uh, Sexy Sadie. Uh, It's one of my favorite ones. Um, um, Again, the the main thing I know about this one is it was was a a dig at Maharishi um, that he wrote, I think, post him leaving the the retreat and just being over being frustrated with what he what John had found out um, and if you look at the syllables of sexy Sadie it lines up with Maharishi right um, and then they would go on to take another jab at him by making him the nowhere man right and the yellow submarine and even mimicking his his high-pitched voice right and the character and naming him the character boob as his technical name <laughs> and and apparently it made it um basically to the studio with the working title of Maharishi oh, wow. and, and it was changed at George's request. Oh, um, Harrison. Yes. And, and at a, in a moment, uh, that would appears to be a rare moment of band harmony. Um, John said, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Hmm. Uh, cause George, and, and by the way, in, in, in the Maharishi's defense, um, you know, one of the things that led to this song being written is John had heard that the Maharishi was being inappropriate with some of the female right. guests there. And that was later proved to be unfounded. Huh. Um, they have, I mean, they, well, I say that, I mean, I guess <laughs> in this kind of ethereal sense, no one will ever know, but you know, they did, it was investigated by someone hmm. and it was found to not be true and the Maharishi went on to continue his career I mean I mean a lot a lot a lot of very high name or uh, high profile people uh, have studied transcendental meditation through him I mean Jerry Seinfeld took a Maharishi class um, and, hmm. and Jerry Seinfeld was like 10 years old when this album came out so um, huh. but but yeah so George asked John to change it George Har- uh, Harrison asked John to change it from Maharishi to Sexy Sadie uh, which John did. And, uh, 
the Beatles uh, recovered and were happy and we're still making records today because of that. Um, <laughs> but it, uh, but yeah, and and I will uh, one other little piece of trivia. I guess this is I, I lied earlier. So this was the second thing that I learned for the very first time today. Mm. The piano riff at the very beginning that starts the song um, inspired Tom York and the rest of Radiohead in writing the melody to Karma Police. Mm. <laughs> Huh. Brad's favorite song. <laughs> I like some Radiohead, sure, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, my personal favorite off of the album is up next, Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter. It's a hard-hitting, in-your-face, it'll wake you up, like talk about going down a slide. <laughs> and here's the quote, and I, I apologize for not having the, the website uh, handy for a full citation, but here's the quote that I got. Charles Manson thought that this song was a message of a coming war in which racist white people and non-racist white people would destroy each other over their treatment of minorities. And that brings us to 2020. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. That's so interesting. Uh, Where yeah. does that come from? I, again, it is a, it's like he, just, he liked the Beatles. He wanted to cause chaos and he just was like, how can I link these yeah. two? Well, to that's probably it. It's probably maybe he, he's weird mind of itself, but then seeing that this is a pretty much wholesome major cultural you know influence that i can lean on and say see look yeah it's coming yeah but i i mean the song is still just so heavily associated with charles i mean they, you know there was a book called helter skelter yeah, about yeah, it there was yeah. a tv movie about it mm -hmm. i mean it's been there was a docu-series on yeah meanwhile paul had only extracted that name or those that text from an old poem like some right. kind of old english yeah. like old english like poem something and he just thought it was an interesting term yeah yeah, yeah. It, it rolls off the tongue well yeah isn't that funny so like some nonsensical just oh yeah that sounds cool and then that leads to like it's in pop yeah. culture everywhere in the yeah. 60s and, well, and this song um the only other thing I'll, i can think of to mention is i like um if you listen to the uh, ultimate edition and you hear the outtakes and the different versions you realize um again you get kind of insight into how they developed some of these fast right. fast-paced rock songs are like wow did it just come out of them or did someone just know that rift but this one and revolution have the same trajectory of development where you have revolution the single and then revolution one being this right. more like on the do a do i'm a little like you know slow version of it and then revolution is like wow right in your face and uh same thing with helter skelter if you listen to the, the i think second or 14th whatever version right. it's it's slow i mean yeah. I, I think it's like take two or version two is like it's a 14 minute or yeah. 12 minute long yeah. version of it yeah and it's just when you get to the, the bottom, bottom and yeah to and, the top and of yeah the yeah and you just hear them kind of like groaning. mumble it out and then the next version they've picked up the tempo a little bit and i'm like okay and then you get to the finale and it's just da, 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 da. it's like it's crazy and it's just it, it it's like um um i think it was on the the gabriel parker guy interviewed last week um i think he said that that if you didn't know the beatles or if you knew some of the beatles but you never heard this song you didn't know about this song and then someone just played it for you and me 
immediately and you ask them like who is this it's like probably be one of the last people you would try to think of and be like oh it's the Beatles but it's just yeah it's just so high energy and just such an intense song I loved it and I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to I've been able to see McCartney perform it twice live and it's just been it's just religious for me because it's just it's just amazing just because it's just like it's just uh, I just love it it's such a, a banging loud well done high energy rock song that just it'll for me it'll never I'll, I'll never um, I'll never turn away from it I'll never yeah. be like no not today and and you know like Brad was saying earlier it is uh, widely considered if not the genesis of heavy metal yeah, certainly yeah. one of the beginnings in in the best yeah. genre in music by the way and, well and, and you know a lot of people think well you know what about what about Zeppelin and that kind of thing but oh, sure. you know the, the thing you got to remember with with Zeppelin in particular and a lot of the guys who were kind of heavier in that area is they were a hundred percent of them were blues based. Right. Absolutely. I mean, every single one, I mean, yeah. any like hard hitting drummer was like jazz based. Yeah, That's exactly. And, and I mean, if you listen to, and I love Led Zeppelin, I really do, mm -hmm. but you know, a lot of their early album with the exception of good times, bad times, which is its own. I mean, we could have a whole podcast just on that song, but you know, the rest of it is very, very, very traditional blues stuff. Just played louder. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this song is not a blues progression. It's got that power chord um, sequence at the beginning that's just hammering on those three chords. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it, it, it eventually gave birth to um, bands that kind of kept that hard rock without being blues based. And <laughs> I, I always think of Jethro Tull, mm. uh, who, by the way, won the first ever Grammy for heavy metal. Oh, they beat really? out Metallica, Metallica, believe it or not. Um, go it's figure. It's because the plastic drumsticks they lost. Yeah, that's probably what it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was 1979, I think, whenever. Mm. Now, I'll, I'll ask you this. What part of the song makes it the precursor uh, well i mean i think for one thing the very beginning with that the power chords you know mm -hmm. that's being played behind though when you get to the bottom you go back mm -hmm. to the top um the drumming super aggressive you know it yeah. famously has ringo saying i got blisters on my fingers yeah, yeah. at the end of it um i think that also plays into the no, like the feeling of it being heavy yeah, you know, yeah. it's like his fingers are fucked up yeah. <laughs> they played it that hard oh my god i agree and there, i mean there's an urgency in paul's voice through the, i mean it's it's not yeah. he's not screaming yeah but he's urgent it's well, the same voice you would use to say please filed in an orderly fashion to the exits to avoid getting burned alive well, yeah. until the end. And until I, the and, end. And I think that's when he starts screeching and wailing. Right. That's when you get away from like a Janis Joplin kind of like, I'm going to finesse this wailing to be a part of it's like my style to it being like, I'm, I'm screaming here. And who knows? Maybe that came from a little bit of Yoko. You know, maybe yeah. Yoko's screaming art style. Because I know that influenced John, him being a little more like aggressive, being open to yelling and wailing in his own songs. Like, um, um, Well, 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 you mm -hmm. know, that song off of. 
a sure. classic Yoko album. Like that one's a Yoko band. Uh, that's a, a oh no band, my bad. Um, that one's like that's intense. And like oh, that yeah. one, that one builds up. And by the end of it, the dude's just yelling. He's just going nuts. Um, but this song, I feel like that's for sure it. And it's like yeah, the, the power chord at the beginning, but then the just the wailing. Like you're not wailing with stylistic really. You're wailing like you're just pushing it out. You're right. just you're just radiating this feeling or whatever. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, it, it's a very interesting uh, song and beginning of that because um, the same like with like um, some people call it, like Neil Young at the Godfather of Grunge, and like <laughs> if you look at the effects he used the the timing that the topics he would use or if you look at like um um russ live or or uh, russ never sleeps like um hey hey my my or no my my hey hey the heavier right. version yeah, the, of it yeah the closer super distorted you know crazy like intense but it's a little like it's just it's different it's in your face but in a different way but this one it's in your face because he's yelling at you and you got this is you know wailing guitar and like you said these just gnarly drums in the background it's just it's just a crazy yeah crazy Song. If you ever do one of these on Russ Never Sleeps, invite me back. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> I got some opinions. <laughs> <laughs> that's, but, a, that's a great album. Oh, it really um, is. And then next up, we have Long, Long, Long by Harrison. Um, it's a great song about God, basically. It is. It, and I do like, because George, uh, throughout the remainder of his career, would say that this was a song kind of addressed to a higher being, a mm. deity. Um, but you know, if you, if you really strip down the lyrics, I think it serves as kind of a traditional love. So there's a lot of themes that are in oh, kind yeah. of a traditional Absolutely. love song. Um, and you know, that, that kind of became a staple, uh, of George's music yeah. immediately after the Beatles too. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, again, that's not a, it's not a controversial oh, this, take. <laughs> this, yeah. Well, that's the only thing I was really going to say about this album is the only thing is, uh, this could you could throw this on all things must pass and I wouldn't notice you know if this was ever on the white album be like yeah this should be here yeah and in in uh, Bob Spitz's book on the Beatles see look I do have an actual source to give to one of these things <laughs> um, in Bob Spitz's books uh, in book on the Beatles which is cleverly called the Beatles um, which is what this album's called too um, it says that uh, George had told someone that had long 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 not been picked up for this album it would have been side one track one on all things must pass oh wow so kind of a kind of a neat connection to all that huh yeah but yeah, that's a very unique song. I love that song. It's almost like his, his he heard I'm so tired and it was like, huh. I like that. But I'm gonna make it about God. <laughs> Classic Harrison. Uh, yeah, but I mean, but you're right, and, and he does a bang up job with it. Yeah, I mean, it, oh, it's it really, beautiful. It is. It's a beautiful song. It's an under I mean hey, I, I think it, it's an him. underappreciated song for George in general, yeah. for the Beatles especially, but yeah. for this album specifically. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it really it's it's a much better song than it gets treated like. Absolutely. The only thing I would ever change about it is the outro. Yeah. And but, I know it's weird and it's unexpected. That's why I threw it in there. So the, you know, it ends with like this weird clamoring, like high pitch, like, wah, like note and like, this, ah, like craziness. And it only comes from the, the, the um, organ that they're playing on. I think it was Paul was playing it on. Um, someone put a Coke bottle on top of the organ. And when they would hit like a really deep, no, I guess it's a high tone. Cause it's that noise you hear. Right background it would like make the casing of it shake and so the it would rattle, rattle. and make this weird noise like oh that noise is crazy let's add it to the end i don't know i find it this oh it, it it's incredible and the my favorite part about that story is that if when you tell that story everyone's like 
Oh yeah, I can see that. I mean, like, there's nothing surprising yeah. about it, right? Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, did you know there was a Coke bottle, and that's what was making the stupid noise? And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that, made, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, it was just something I've always appreciated about it. Yeah, that's a great track. And then next up is uh, Revolution One, which is um, my favorite of the three revolutions. If we're going to throw Revolution yeah, Nine in there, sure. Uh, but I, I like this one better than the single. It's it's slower. Mm. Um, this is another kind of no nonsense song from John, though. I mean, it's it's about social change and and in standing France up, in particular, and, yeah, right? yeah. France and and China even mm. um, China China. Um, I, I mean, because you know, John. Um, you know, politically, I'm sure he would line up left of center, but uh, he was not a communist, and and he knew that that Mao Zedong was. Uh, I think mildly, I would say you would you would you might say he was behaving poorly. Um, you know, uh, I don't know how many million people you have to kill before you're not considered to be behaving poorly, but behaving abhorrently. Um, I think Mao probably reached that level. Did y'all real quick side two second side piece? Did y'all watch the Tyson fight? Uh, Roy Jones, the most recent one. I just watched the highlight. Oh, because I noticed for the first time ever. Oh, like, his tattoo. Yes. Yeah, he has a Mao tattoo. He has a Mao Zedong tattoo on his like stomach, right above his like boxer it's, line. It's like yeah, it's like right there. I, I mean, <sighs> no, you're talking about no, no, no. I, I think it's Che Guevara actually. I, I, equally uh, stupid. Yeah. No, I think, <laughs> I think it's Mao. It's a Mao. No, no, he has a Mao one on his arm. Oh, and che Guevara oh, down here. okay, yeah, but so no, I know he definitely has a tattoo though. It's, yeah. I don't know. Is it the he, same uh, the, social justice? This warrior Che Guevara that murdered gay people be, yeah, for yeah. being gay. Also known in, on Hot Topic shirts throughout the country. Yeah. But yeah, he had a Che, che Guevara to tattoo. I thought, whoa, what a w weird reason to get. I, I, look, in his best day, Mike Tyson had a double-digit IQ, and he's been taking hits to the head since 1985. Yeah, 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 he's I'm not, not looking to him to guidance for anything. Yeah, no, no. I just struck me as when I saw pictures of it, I thought, why the hell did he get a Changuavara tattoo above his crotch? Just Ma Mal alone. He has a Mal one, yeah, too. On yeah, his yeah I know. Yeah. I was like, that one specifically, because I, I didn't see the Shea one first. I saw that one first, yeah. and I was like, <laughs> I, I, I hope the tattoo is complete. It's like a big portrait of it's Mal just, that's being carried on a car through Red Square. Oh no, it's like a, just his face. But what did you think? What did Mike Tyson yeah. wear? Yeah. What did he read? Where he thought, let's get it. He, he doesn't know how to read. Doesn't. You've heard him talk. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> what did he read? He read the little engine that could, and it yeah. taxed his brain too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, for for Revolution, though, I don't I don't have too much on this one. Just um, my own personal preferences that. I I think I like the single more. I just like that. But it, it's a little, it's, it's rocky or it's in your face. I mean, yeah. it's, and, and it, it's more polished. I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's, it has its merits. It's the one that comes on the radio. I like it. Um, well, it's more like, um, it's more like uh, almost like palpable to the energy you would expect behind someone that's a revolutionary. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not a, that is true. Oh, let's go do some revolution. Yeah. It's like, the, no, 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 no. <gasps> let's go. <laughs> that, that, that's true. Revolution one, um, a hundred percent sounds like the first time it was sung was around a campfire. Right. I, yeah. So I'll, I'll give you that for sure. The single sounds, it, it is, it tracks more with the message. Right. I, yeah. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. It's a classic. And 
and then honey pie. I mean, we've we've really broken this one down. I don't have much too much to add. Just just a a, a pure tribute to again what the the English would call music hall, what we would call vaudeville. Yeah, um, a lot of clanky and something that that Paul never left. Right. Yeah. I mean, he would, he, he did it. I mean, stuff that, you know, like when I'm 64 fits into that and, and other stuff with the Beatles, but into the wings, into wings, he would right. do that constantly. Like, um, um, like are you a wings guy? You know, like, I, I can kind of take or leave wings. Oh man. I, I mean, I, I, I like wings. Mm-hmm. Um, I very rarely seek out wings. Okay. But if it's um, on, I listen to it. You know, um, Venus and Mars pretty well. Oh yeah. 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 Well, that, well, I love that album. That's my favorite Wings album. Um, like on that album, there's uh, uh, You Gave Me the Answer. Yeah. And that's it's a good track. Right, right. And it's right in the same, same line, same vein. And and I just feel like that's, again, like we've said, it's it's Paul's appreciation for the music he grew up with and what his dad played and stuff like that, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's something that if you saw um, men in like peppermint striped jackets and holding boater hats, you would be surprised. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a great style. I think it's something to uh, pay attention to. And I, I do believe in having kind of a, um, you know, a very eclectic view on things. And I think that people should listen to more, uh, more music from that era, not to like it. I mean, yeah, but yeah, if, if you can hear the morph um, and it's kind of, you know, I, I don't know if you watched any of the Ken Burns, like jazz and country music, those mm. documentaries, but no, it's great because it shows how, you know, a hundred years ago, there were two types of music <laughs> in the oh, Western right. world. Yeah. Right, right, right. And then, you know, now it's, I, I mean, people argue all the time. Well, I don't know. Is it techno is it or is it more yeah. trance jazz or, you know, and it's yeah. like, I, you know, and it's I don't know why I picked EDM. I, that's the jumps. thing I know the least about. That was, that was, a, that was a bad take for me. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Though. I know what you mean, though. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, now there are so many genres and sub-genres yeah. and sub-sub-genres. And, well, uh, and then in a different, like, flow of things, the next track, uh, Savoy Truffle, and that's an interesting song because it, it almost sounds like it's from the 70s, not exactly the 60s. Right. With the 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 sassy saxophone yeah. in the background. I mean, that's much more of a 70s it, yeah. feel. That's, that's a 1974 saxophone and horn section on a 1968 song. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a very, like... I don't know. It's just like a, it's got an interesting vibe to it. Cause I mean, I know the whole song was written kind of out of jest, like out of like, kind of like poking fun at, at Clapton, Clapton because Harrison knew Clapton had a, uh, a, a, a very a, severe a bit, sweet tooth. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. would eat constantly. And so all the things that he lists are like real desserts, like front, apparently you could get in an assortment box in the UK. And so he's literally just reading off the shit that Eric Clapton would overindulge yeah. in it, and get cavities. From. It would be like but someone the, in the U S taking a Russell Stover's thing and just reading what's in yeah, the back. literally, but the, but the 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 vibe of it is like it's such a I don't know how to describe it. It's just a cool vibe. It it's is. Just, it's, it's, it's a great driving song. Yeah, like literally, like it's like it's just like the the drums are like are simple, but you got that that um, that 
pian- the keyboard, the key, those keys in the background, the dun, 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 dun. like, it's just like a, it just got this energy to it. That just seems so like, I don't know. It's like, it's not funk where you're like, you want to get to a groove. You're just like, man, I can just feel this thing just flowing. Like, it's just like an interesting song. I don't know. It's so unique. In, uh, in, in Clapton's autobiography, which is pretty good if you haven't read it, um, there, there's two things and I'll get to one that is Brad's favorite thing that I know about Eric Clapton. Um, but yeah, he, he, he was talking about how he had just an addictive personality because, you know, eventually he had issues with cocaine mm-hmm. and heroin and, but you know, Oh, he did cocaine. The, oh, guy, the guy with the hit <laughs> cocaine. Hey, to be fair, JJ Kale wrote that song. Um, but, <laughs> but he, yeah, big shocker though. <laughs> Right. And yeah. You know, now he's tried to say, no, that's a warning. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't use cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Right. Good dude. <laughs> you know, you were at studio 54. Just, <laughs> um, but, but no, he, you know, he said it started when he was a kid and he would just eat chocolates. He would just, he would mm, steal chocolates from his nuts. family and just, I mean, just pound them. Yeah. And, and it turned into this running joke with George Harrison, who he was so close to. And, and, you know, Harrison would say, you know, you'd walk into, into, uh, Clapton's house and you would just see empty candy wrappers and chocolate boxes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then like in, you know, an eighth of heroin um, yeah. <laughs> or however they measure heroin. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's just kind of crazy. The other thing that's in that book that is in no way, shape or form related to this uh, is that Eric Clapton said that Phil Collins I've told him this. Did more cocaine than any human he'd ever seen in his life. Isn't that funny? <laughs> and uh, I just love that so much. Yeah, I, I just, just love th- it. I can't think of Phil now without. No, I, I can't either. I, I mean, <laughs> listen to Can You Feel the Love Tonight? <laughs> just, just thinking the, about some dude blowing rails in a disco bathroom. And it's always funny to hear someone who is like notorious for doing a lot of coke saying someone else has done the most coke they've ever seen, which yeah. means it was a lot. Of, yeah. Yeah. That's well, I mean, Collins was like at his height in the eighties. So yeah. it makes sense. Left left handed drummer to bring that yeah, back. Another good one. Mm. I read something to him on Wiki Friday that was really funny that Noel Gallagher, uh, he was on Phil Collins Wiki page, since we can go back to the, the official podcast source of all information wiki. Um, that Noel Gallagher said, um, just because you're like uh, make good songs doesn't mean you're talented. And or just because you're big on the charts and make good songs that are popular doesn't mean you're talented. And he's like, Look at Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> And Phil Collins was like, I'm going to sue, sue, sue you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sue to you. Yeah, that song sucks. <laughs> but it'll get stuck in your head. It will. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really annoy my wife tonight more than normal. <laughs> more than the other ways I do. Right. Hey, oh. And then um, next up, we got Cry Baby Cry. That's, a, that's an interesting song. Um, yeah, that's kind of a... An odd one. It is. And I I was looking in uh, a different book and I, it may have been the John Lennon solo one. I, I'm blanking on the author and I apologize for that. But that said that the words were based on the old nursery rhyme, sing a song of sixpence. Hmm. Um, which is a, I didn't even look up the words of that nursery rhyme before I came here. Cause I haven't heard it in forever. Yeah, but I, th- I think I remember reading somewhere that it wasn't necessarily that I think there was a commercial on that was using okay. an old fairy tale or whatever. And then that's where he kind of was like, Oh, I haven't heard that in a song before. My, 
I'll be honest. My favorite part of this song is the "Can You Take Me Back" that Paul literally does at the end. Okay, like literally, that's <laughs> what I was gonna say. That's all I really have to mention about this song. It's an interesting song because he talks about um, just the content seems kind of all over the place of what like the plans that he's explaining, like you know, a seance in the garden. Like it's just like random kind of stuff that I think just sounds good. You know, him playing with words. But yeah, for some reason, man, the part that resonates with me the most though is is the very end. The, it wraps up and you get this random McCartney coming in the can you take me back where I came from can you take me back and then I love how if you listen to the ultimate edition there's um, it's, it's it's just talking about it's just called I think take me back and it's just right. like two minutes long of him just saying that in different like tones and different manners cadences and then like you find it at the very end you just hear like take me back and then they just threw it at the end so what I read about that is that McCartney just started doing that while he was recording I Will oh and he was waiting. Uh, he was waiting on someone to get there. And, and I, I wish I had more information. But the, what I was reading was Just pretty unclear. Cuff. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know if he was waiting on a sound engineer or if he was waiting on George Harrison. Yeah, you know right. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just something, and he liked it. And George Martin liked it, which I think was probably the more important factor. Um, <laughs> and they decided to throw it on the end of. Uh, yeah. Well, that's why I kind of called "Cry Baby Cry" an odd song. Cause like the lyrics are just a little, I don't know. It makes sense, but it's just kind of like, doesn't really go anywhere. And then it ends with that random, like not B roll, but just they added a little outro thing. Yeah. It just feels like compilation work. Like, well, we like these things, but we don't really know what to make of it. So we'll throw them together and just throw them at the end. And, and really that's a little bit of foreshadowing to side two of Abbey road. Mm. Um, because you know, the, the, those medleys, they were all just partial songs that they had. Um, you know, Paul, Pam and Sun King and she Mustard. came in through the back bathroom window and me and Mr. Mustard. Yeah. You know, and, and that was, I don't know if that was the Beatles themselves or if that was George Martin's idea to put them all together. Um, but, but I get kind of a similar vibe mm. from, from this setup here on this album. So. Yeah. Hmm. And then um, next up we have the, Number nine. Yes. Number nine. Revolution nine. Number nine. Damn. Revolution nine. Eight minutes, 22 seconds. Technically the longest song that the Beatles ever released on an album. Mm, yeah. Um, it was technically the weirdest song. They've ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Objectively the weirdest song. Um, and uh, well, so apparently there were two cuts of, I want you. She's so heavy and Hey Jude that ran it over nine minutes mm. that they eventually cut down to mm. the links that they are now. Um, so revolution nine made it when as I, the longest. When time. I think originally, and the reason why they're titled revolution one and revolution nine was because they were on the same track originally. Right. And then they were like, nah, that's too weird. We got to split these up. <laughs> and, uh, nine is John Lennon's favorite number. He, he got, I don't know if he got into actual numerology or if he just had a thing, but his birthday was October 9th. He had this whole thing with the number nine. Hmm. Like Jay-Z was I, number four. I think so. Yeah. It's because uh, uh, Slipknot has nine members. That's why John liked it so much. Great Larry Bird oh, jersey, wow. 33. He had the amazing foresight into the future. <laughs> 
Well, I don't but, really uh, have too much to say or add about that. Yeah, song. Paul and Ringo weren't involved. George was kind of involved, but it was it was the vast majority of it was John and Yoko just doing John and Yoko things. Yeah, which which I mean, this is a a precursor to, or no? I guess did, did two versions come out before this? I think I, it did. It, it might have actually. I think it technically came out before it. So. Yeah, I think it was just in line with that promotion, yeah. or, it, or you know, just 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 showing what else we're doing. Yeah, and and you know, um, Yoko Ono, one of her art pieces, because she was an artist. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Let me just stop you right there, buddy. <laughs> but you know, she had one piece where. Um, she would get into I, I always picture it like a sleeping bag and I hope that that was true but she would get into a like a big bag a big bag and like move around and yell and, yeah and people paid hard-earned money to do that <laughs> um yeah well just, that's the line that they talk about in the ballad of John and Yoko right the eating cake in a yeah in eating a chocolate bag. cake in a bag yeah and um, I, so I ba- think bagism is what they would call bagism. It. Yeah. And, yeah. And, then, and then we're also undergoing screen therapy around this time, which was a uh, it's a form of therapy where you go in and you meet with your therapist and your therapist says what's on your mind and you tell them and they say, OK, um, I'm going to stand in the corner. You just start making noise as loud and as aggressively as you can. And then you scream into the void and it's supposed to be cathartic or whatever. Huh. Um, John Lennon and Yoko were both practitioners of it for a while. And I don't know if that was around this time. I think it was, but hmm. um, it was just a big amalgamation of weirdness from several different angles. And it is an eight minute, 22 song avant-garde expression of whatever. Yeah. Yeah. In short, Yoko sucks. <laughs> you heard it here first. We have negative opinions of Yoko. Ono there's a, there's a clip I used to love watching on YouTube where it's like them playing something and it's Chuck Berry and John Lennon. And yeah. Yoko starts, you showed me. Uh, yeah, I showed you and that. Show, yeah. And Yoko starts screaming and you can literally see Chuck Berry's eyes well, get she, big and he's yeah. like, well, because uh, it literally, she wasn't ex- expected to sing at all. She was playing the, um, either a tambourine or a, a little just um, tambourine. Yeah. Yeah. And she just, overtakes so, everything yeah so there's a tiny you know a low low seated like mic stand and she's just like hitting it and hitting it and all of a sudden like they start to get in their groove and then you see her just like put it underneath her arm grab that mic you just hear a shrill and literally yeah. chuck berry's like he just like turns and he looks and then you see john's like eyes get big and then all of a sudden her mic just shuts off because yeah. he cut her off yeah. well and you know chuck chuck berry was like notorious for being very particular he, he threw keith richards out of a promotional video they were doing wow keith richards was trying to play the that first part of Johnny Be Good with Chuck Berry uh-huh. and uh, Keith Richards was doing something where he was like missing a hammer on or something like that and Chuck Berry, Chuck Berry stopped him like eight times you go no man it's here you go 12 and 13 or whatever it was mm. and uh, he couldn't get it and Chuck Berry said get out of here you're not going to ruin my song and threw Keith Richards out <laughs> and at that time the Rolling Stones were the highest grossing touring band in the world and Chuck Berry was putting cameras in women's bathrooms. That is a real thing he did. Yeah, he did. On his, yeah. That he got, he got real thing. That. Yeah, he did. Wow. That's also um, on his wiki, like on that yeah, controversial that is a real section. thing that happened. That's yeah. not even me making some like he got busted wow. for it and kind of tainted his legacy a little so bit. Taints a poor choice of words there. Thanks. 
Um, huh. Ruined his legacy a little bit. Yeah. Kind of just scratched it a little. Well, Back to the Future saves Johnny B. Good. So. It really does. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I like the Marty McFly edition. Um, yeah. And then we get to Good Night. Good Night. The Lullaby, oh. sung by Ringo. Um, written by, written Ron by John. John. Oh, by John. Uh, that's right, because it's for Julian. Yeah, for, for Julian, who is the oft-forgotten uh, John Lennon offspring of his marriage to Cynthia, his first wife, his uh, his other son, Sean. Julian's mom. Yeah, Julian's mom. <laughs> Julian's mom, Cynthia. Uh, of course, John Lennon's other son, Sean, who goes by Ono because he was Yoko Ono's kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Sean Ono Lennon. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but I think even John changed his name to John. Yeah, Ono it's John Lennon. Winston Ono Lennon. Yeah, Winston's like the most English name possible. Well, he was, it was Winston Churchill because he was yeah. born during the Blitz. Yeah, Blitzkrieg. Yeah, the Blitzkrieg Bob. Yeah. Do you have Blitzkrieg anything Bob. about that track specifically? Um, no, just that. Uh, oh, yes, actually, one one interesting thing. So they recorded several versions of this um and but the one that's actually on the album does not include input from john paul or george it's strings that were performed by others and arranged by george barton and uh vocals from ringo Hmm. which is really uh, weird um different but yeah they they did record several versions they record they recorded one and i was trying to find it so that i could bring it up uh i had a hell of a time with it it's probably on the anthology discs Mm. somewhere but uh, i was looking over that like last night and didn't feel like subjecting my wife to 12 hours of beatles (laughs) Um, so you keep listening to that one slow song over and over again Uh, yeah but this one's different this is from new york in 72 yeah, with so a specific. different lineup. <laughs> no, like seriously, we'll we'll be in the car, like going somewhere, and because normally I keep the radio very low because she and I don't listen to much of the same type of music. But if like a really good dead song comes on, I'll like crank it, and we'll be like seventeen minutes in, and she's like, "Come on, yeah. just turn it off." Yeah. And I'm like, well, "Hey, we're almost there." Um, but yeah, so but they did record versions. I was trying to find the ones that they had that were uh, recorded more conventionally. Mm-hmm. You know, the four piece band like they did um and i couldn't that doesn't mean that it's not out there that means that youtube didn't have it and i'm lazy but uh but yeah so the version that you hear does not include any input at all from john paul or george Hmm. interesting go figure well the only other thing for this album um i guess we could touch on uh for the end would be the singles um or because i I don't know that you would tie the singles to this album but um they were during the period they were right before and during this album and it would be revolution the single version um and then uh hey jude right which is interesting that that didn't end up making the final cut of the record itself right maybe um, they wanted it well because it was also they performed it first in that special right yeah. that hello vice thing so maybe that's why they kept it as a single as yeah. a song but they also did that they did that for revolution too but they didn't do it with a big audience right if you watch that hey jude one it's yeah. really funny because you can watch john lennon's hand get really out of sync he was he was apparently going through with uh going through heroin withdrawals um, when they were filming it yeah you see um there's a part i think where you see his face you see him like he's real like calm and just playing his part 
Donnie's head, and all of a sudden he's seeing like, oh, yeah. He realized he missed. He oh, he wasn't paying attention, and he missed shit. it. And you see like Paul kind of like look over for a second, and like, <laughs> <laughs> dude, what's but up? The, but then the the other part of that music video or whatever you want to call it, the recording, is when the the people rush the stage and they are start accumulating, getting closer and encroaching closer and closer to the Beatles. <laughs> and just you can just see like you know George and John are kind of in the middle, so they're kind of away from two people getting too close. But you see like Ringo kind of like slunched over <laughs> and he's just kind of like all right all right and then paul kind of the same thing on the piano he's like yeah 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 hey. <laughs> it's just like that's gotta be annoying yeah but um yeah that and and only uh, two two more things i got for this one uh for the album in general is i find it interesting that you get good night and hey jude both compositioned uh, or not i don't want to phrase it like that both written for julian right from different Beatles. Right. So you have Paul writing Hey Jude um, for Julian about basically saying, you know, it's about endurance. You're enduring some hard things, and it's kind of what the world is. But you, you know, just keep going. And then, um, yeah, and take, it, take a sad song. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then you get good night for Julian, and it's just more of like I don't know. It, to me, it's almost more classic. Like, just you're gonna wrap up your day. This is kind of like just your unwinding song, you know, kind of thing. But I just find it interesting that you get songs written specifically for Julian from each of them you know separately how old was Julian here like as a just a five oh, yeah kid yeah five yeah, yeah. But, um, and then the only other thing I know about the white album that we haven't talked about yet is the cover the original concept of the cover was going to be a painting I think I think it was by Klaus Vorman okay. but it was going to be a drawing or a painting of um, you can find it they did finish it um, right and uh, the album was originally I think going to be called A Doll's House or something uh, like that that sounds right I think that's it and, and the painting was like them sitting in like a, a field not a feel like you can see the whole field but just like on the ground and it's they're all drawn in a more sketched out um, caricature almost like look and then Yoko is little and like on John's shoulder or something and and uh, she was on the album cover and uh, and um, and it was just kind of different I'm pretty sure it was Vorman um, but um, yeah that, that's because they I know it was someone close dating back to the old days the yeah. Hamburg days because yeah. well, he did revolvers yeah he, he revolver. did revolver and um, and I think he did he have something to do with the yellow submarine Movie and stuff. I don't think so. I, I, I could have sworn he did, but I did. I thought yeah. that was like I only prepared for the white album. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because I, I think same same thing. Like uh, they were kind of in different directions, and so when it came to the album cover, and they just did. I guess it just didn't sit well, and so um, they went with a different artist um, interpretation and be like, it's going to be a, a blank white embossed album, and that's it. I think that's cool. It's just like the simplicity of it just no complication just straight yeah boom that's it uh i will i will add one last piece of something for me anyway mm -hmm. um there were promotional pressings of the u.s release which was through capital because it, i mean it was still an apple record but it was uh, pressed and distributed by capital mm. and they did i i and i want to say it was 500 of them that were pressed on pink vinyl oh and and if you can find them, they're incredibly valuable. Wow. So that's, uh, they had one up at, to give a, 
plug to someone who's not paying me at least uh forever young records grand prairie texas Mm -hmm. they had a pink vinyl edition i mean this has been six or seven years ago Mm -hmm. in their collector's room uh the guy was like you can touch it and i was like no thanks i I don't have insurance for this Uh, but uh but yeah it's pretty neat i've seen one in person it is uh it's pretty cool it's kind of a translucent pink it almost Mm. looks like uh like very weak strawberry lemonade (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's how i would describe it interesting yeah Huh. But uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, fun yeah. stuff. Well, again, this is my personal favorite Beatles album. It's a great album. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's fun to listen to. Fun to talk about. Yeah, likewise, man. Well, we've talked plenty. That we, <laughs> that we have. This uh, might need to be a two-parter. That's okay. I, you know, it's funny. I told Brad. I was like, you know, there's 30 tracks on this. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. If this needs to be broken up, like that's understandable. Yeah, like a, you, know, sure. you don't want some Rogan-esque five-hour, you know. <laughs> It's, it's, it's never too long. <laughs> never. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. Well, y'all have anything else to add? Or? Peace and love, baby. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah. yeah. Here in Hollywood, Hollywood, California at the Sam, <laughs> yeah. Sam Romo Studios. <laughs> right down the street from the Whiskey Ago. Yeah. yeah. There's I'm Clive like, Davis <laughs> eating dinner over there. Wow. Um, we can see him from the window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there goes David Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks yeah. for having us. Well, yeah. We need to have you back. Love to. Awesome. All right. All right. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, visit our website, musicmythpodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Goodbye.